World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome to the episode. I'm the host of it, Jeff. We're doing something a little bit different. I have my movie podcast guests back again, and we're going to talk about the 2018 American motion picture Hereditary from the film distribution house A24. This is a film that is the directorial debut of Ari Aster, written and directed by uh, by him. Stars Tony Collette, who you may know from Little Miss Sunshine or The Sixth Sense. Alex Wolf, who you may know from Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, or My Friend Dahmer, or the Nickelodeon program The Naked Brothers Band, Millie Shapiro, who played Matilda on Broadway, and Dowd, who you probably know from The Handmaid's Tale, and Gabriel Byrne, who I don't know from anything, so I don't know what you would know him from. Uh, this um, this is a movie that we're, we're going to structure a little differently. We're going to talk about our reactions to the film in a spoiler-free way first. First, and then we'll go into the normal scene by scene breakdown. Um, I want to recommend this movie strongly uh, to begin with, um, but uh, I, well, I think most people listening to this are probably okay with very violent and upsetting content. This movie contains violent and upsetting content, but it's a little different than something like Saw or Hostile or any of the creepypastas we cover uh, in that the depictions of violence are very straightforward and frank, and they are um, also up against a uh, very realistic depiction of trauma related to death in one's immediate family. So, uh, if in general you can deal with horror movies, I think that you will be fine with this movie, but if there are specific things which you find upsetting, you can maybe skip this one. But in general, I think that this movie is very good, and I recommend that you go see it before you listen to this episode. If you need a little more convincing, we will do a little spoiler-free reactions part at the beginning, and then I will give plenty of buffer for you to pause and go rent the movie. Um, and with me to discuss the film are returning guests, Catherine Marino. Hello! And Kimu Theodore. Hello. So, uh, this is... This is a very good movie. Uh, before I get into my Correct. reactions, uh, Kimu, why don't you tell us what you think about the movie first? Uh, I liked it a lot. It's, uh, it's one of those slow burn kind of movies that, uh, is very it works with me uh, i tend not to be very uh scared at movies so anything that tricks my little barrier like if a movie starts off like super crazy already I'm, I'm already like ready for it and i'm not as affected by it but this movie you know it's a it's a slow burn it tricks me into thinking everything's okay and then it just ramps it up and i i love those kind of movies and uh it it, it did uh it worked on me so i i did get scared 
scared. So that's that's a very good thing for a scary movie to do. Yeah, this this movie has some imagery in it that um that is going to give me trouble sleeping uh for weeks to come. Uh <laughs> I'm already every time I turn up the lights a little freaked out. Uh, <laughs> it's it's that kind of movie. Um but it's it's very good. It's impeccably acted. It's very carefully it's there is a problem with a lot of movies that I see. I go to see a lot of movies now because I have movie pass. And so many times movies are, they just spend too much time on style, but the director doesn't have the skill to back that up. So the movies just end up feeling like they're wasting time and feel kind of boring. This movie is meticulously carefully crafted. And it's strange to describe a movie as patient, but that is absolutely this movie. Uh, it also avoids something that a lot of horror movies fall into, which is the cheap jump scare. It undercuts every scare by first showing you the character's reaction to the horrible thing, and then showing you the horrible thing. Or so not showing to you until yes. much later. <laughs> yes, but it, it <laughs> never... It never just, like, out of nowhere shows you something horrible. It always prepares you for it by showing you a character's reaction or by giving you context around which you can assume that there's a horrible thing and then showing you. So it, it doesn't do uh, any of the the sort of... There's... It's been brought up many times before on this show, the, the cheap jump scare of a cat jumps out of the, the hallway, uh, and the music spikes. Uh, and it's like very. And they cheap. always make the cat make that noise. Like I feel like it's just been one cat noise over every movie. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like cats don't usually. I mean, it's very specific. Cats do that noise. Yeah. They don't do it all the time. Uh, but yeah, it, it avoids all of that stuff very well, which is impressive for a movie that is this viscerally, thoroughly, absolutely terrifying. Like. <laughs> Um, it, it is, I would, I put it on the level of something like The Exorcist or Silence of the Lambs, where it is a horror movie that, um, is trying to upset you on a deeper level rather than just trying to give you a cheap scare. Uh, and I, I don't truck with that, uh, movie critic nonsense of saying that because it's good, it's not a horror movie. That is garbage. This is Who's a horror that, movie. What kind of lunatic says that? Well, there, there was a big, uh, a lot of things last year with, uh, Get Out and people calling oh, it, uh, people oh, yeah. calling it, uh, a thriller uh, instead of a horror movie, which is garbage. Uh, it's a horror movie. It was movie. a thrilling horror movie, but it was definitely yeah. a horror movie. Yeah, there. I would say that uh, many movies that you classify as thrillers are also horror movies. That they're those are not mutually exclusive categories. Uh, I would not call this movie a thriller at all. Uh, I think that it's mostly a somber family drama and also a horror movie. Uh, Catherine, tell me some of your reaction to the movie. I. I loved it. I was, it was great. And like, um, I, f I think I said it, uh, before, maybe not that like, you know, I can't handle like 
a, like gore for the sake of gore, but everything worked in this movie and it was scary and it was exhausting in how terrifying it was and just what the family's going through and you're like, Oh my god, what else are they gonna, what else is gonna happen? And yeah. it, it was just, it was so well done. It was, you know, I very, the smallest of nitpicks and it's all probably just my own little opinion and not like something that's, you know, everyone would, you know, agree with or not agree. Yeah, it was great. Go see it right now, right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably it will be in home video by now. I wonder if I can find out the home video release date already. Um, if, like, cause, it opened in theaters on June 8th, and uh, we all went to go see it opening weekend. Um, and yeah, it does not have an official release date for DVD or Blu-ray yet, but this episode's coming out in September, so uh, hopefully, Probably, yeah. it will, it, hopefully it will be hitting um, Blu-ray and stuff by then. Uh, I already went over the actors who star in it. Um, do we have any other, uh, reactions, spoiler-free reactions before we get into the scene-by-scene breakdown? I guess we can just go over the general premise, you know, without spoiling it. Right. Uh, yes, it's, it's, um... So you know if you've seen the trailer, which if you haven't seen the trailer, I recommend that you don't watch it because there's a couple moments in the trailer that I think were uh, too revealing. Most of the big surprises are not in the trailer, but there's a couple like late movie little brief scenes in the trailer. And because I go to the movies a lot, I saw this trailer like five times or something. Uh, and I I think if you're intrigued by it enough to, to see the movie skip the trailer. Um, but if you have seen the trailer, then you already know the basic premise, which is that um, Tony Collette, she plays Annie Graham, and her uh, her mother, Ellen, has just passed away. Uh, and the movie is sort of dealing with the aftermath of that grief, because Annie uh, and her mother did not really get along. Um, Annie has uh, a teenage son, Peter, a husband, Steve, and a 13-year-old daughter, Charlie, who seems to uh, be sort of a strange kid that um, I can't... I can't tell if they put this actress Millie Shapiro in some kind of spooky kid makeup or if they just had her really sag her face. Because if you look at just pictures of the actor on Google, she looks normal. She looks like a regular person. But in the movie, she has like a very uh, spooky affect. And I don't know if that's something that the actress is doing with her face or if they... Uh, like did some kind of uh, prosthetic makeup or like shaved her eyebrows or something the same. to make yeah. her look weird. Um, but yeah, it's so it's got this uh, spooky kid, this sort of normal teen, and um, the parents, and they're all sort of dealing with this family trauma. Uh, and I think we can say uh, from this point on, uh, well, uh, let's see, Kimu, did you have any final thoughts before we get into the spoiler stuff? Uh, no, no. I agree. Okay, cool. So we'll uh, say stop, pause the episode here. And come back after you've seen the movie if you don't want to know fully all of the things that happen with the movie. Uh, we'll also give a content warning for violence because we will discuss the um, extreme uh, depictions of violence that occur in the movie. 
And I, violence and specifically gore. Yes. Because there's gore. Uh, Yes. There is a bit of a bit of uh, violence, a bit of non-violent gore, and a bit of violent gore. Uh, so that's just that's there, and we're going to talk about it. So if you if you don't want spoilers, which if you want to see the movie, you don't want spoilers. Uh, pause now. Okay. No, seriously, pause. Pause. Pause <laughs> the podcast. Right go pause watch it. the movie. All right. Uh, so let's go scene by scene. I'll do the opening scene, and then I'll hand it off to uh, you, Catherine, and then you'll hand it off to Kimu, and we'll we'll go around sort of casually. Um, so the movie opens with uh, a shot from that is in the first trailer where it is a miniature, a room full of miniatures, uh, like miniature houses. Um, because as we discover later, Annie is an artist who specializes in, uh, lifelike miniatures. And, uh, it zooms in on the room of one of these miniature houses very slowly. And the music is kind of just like a lone violin. And then it zooms in and becomes the actual room. And, um, the father, Steve, comes in and puts clothes on the bed for Peter because they have to go to uh, Peter's grandmother's funeral. Uh, And then, uh, do they cut right to the funeral after that, to to Annie's eulogy? I think so, yeah. Uh, So it cuts to Annie's eulogy uh, for her mother, and she's sort of just going through, like... It's it's kind of clear that she had a a, a fraught relationship with her mother, um, because she talks about how her mother had a lot of secrets, a lot of secret friends that she didn't know about, um, and that even discussing her at all during the funeral feels like a betrayal. And then they get back to the house, and she says to her husband that she does not even really feel sad uh, about losing her mother in this she, way. She does not say that in the actual eulogy. <laughs> Yes, she says this once she gets back. She's <laughs> like, I don't, I think that, uh, I don't feel sad. Um, and then Steve gets a phone call about, uh, the, Ellen's grave having been desecrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decides not to tell Annie because she's going through some stuff. Annie says she's going out to a movie and instead goes to a grief support group. Um, which she reveals in the support group that she had been to previous, or not, she hasn't been to this specific one previously, but she's been to grief support groups previously because her brother, uh, committed suicide. And, um, she, I think her father was an alcoholic or something like that. Um, they said he starved, or she said he starved himself to death when she was very young. Right. Okay. And who Uh, does that? Yes. It's very, it's (laughs) very, like, uh, but she's, she establishes very clearly that she has dealt with this emotional trauma, which I think is interesting, because in a movie like this, usually someone um, is still sort of in the thrall of dealing with their family's emotional trauma. But Annie seems to have it on lock. She's like, yeah, she this stuff she happened. Yeah, she thinks she does. But, uh, and she's she's- actually, she actually describes it as, that was my mother's life. You know, her son committing suicide, her husband starving himself to death, uh, you know, her mom, you know, having dementia, living with them. You know, she's like, that was my mom's life. You know, she's, it's like it wasn't hers, you know, but she was obviously there. 
Yeah. Uh, so, Catherine, you can take over from here. Um, yeah, I'm, I can't remember scene by scene. I'm very impressed that you can seem to do that. But I did want to mention at the uh, wake, um, uh, the daughter Charlie um, is staring at her grandmother's uh, body in the coffin and just kind of staring and eating a chocolate bar and just looking lost as she does for most of the movie. And uh, the father is like, "Does that have nuts in it?" And she's like, "No, no, I checked." Oh, but right. but yeah, like every chocolate old, bar is like important. made in a facility that contains tree nuts, so I'm not sure where she found that chocolate bar. Well, it's, it's, um, it's, yeah, this establishes, uh, sort of an important fact, which is that, um, Charlie has a nut allergy. I think that, um, they, they put that warning on chocolate bars that it's produced in a facility that has, that also produces nut products. But yeah. I think for the most part, that's not going to be a problem. Um, yeah, unless your allergy is extremely severe, which. Yeah. Mm. Which hers, I mean, we see later on uh, how her uh, nut allergy expresses itself. And it does not seem to be, like, immediate anaphylactic shock. Uh, like, she seems to be dealing with uh, the nut allergy okay. So I guess uh, probably just, like, produced in the same facility as nut products is fine. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I guess, know. I guess that's not the case for everyone. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because, like, she seems to be fine for a little while, and then she does go into anaphylactic shock. So I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not an expert on nut allergies, so I don't know. But yeah. she seemed to be eating that chocolate bar just fine. So. Right. Uh, so anyway, we get a little bit of the kids in um, school. Yeah, and the oh, the older kid, uh, the son Peter. You know, he seems like average teen. Uh, you know, wanting to, you know, interested in uh, a certain girl. It was, I think, it was one certain girl. I don't remember. And um, yeah, he has a, he has a crush on another girl. Yeah, and then he uh, and he smokes uh, a smoke a bowl out under the uh, bleachers is like a thing he does with his guy buddies and they laugh and joke and you know he's just like average average kid i think he plays the guitar um yeah he's he's yeah totally unremarkable uh whereas charlie seems i can't tell what's up with charlie she's um, different but she yeah she's not really paying attention in class she's focused on sort of this little art project she's making um Mm -hmm. Like a little, um, she makes little, basically her own version of miniatures, I think, but they're made yeah. with um, other parts and things she finds, like, you know, metal things and, and leftover pieces of trash, I guess you would call it to some people. And, and she creates little things and draws. She also draws. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a bird crashes into the window. Yeah. The um, teacher, she's working on one of her little thingy mabobs. And, um, but they're supposed to be doing a pop quiz and, uh, the teacher's like, oh, why don't we, you know, work on your toy later and, uh, put that away for now and, and we'll do this quiz and you can, you know, go back to it later. She obviously understands Charlie's, you know, not, she's just different and she's not gonna, you shouldn't like yell at her for doing something else. And then, um, 
but obviously Charlie's unhappy about this. She does it, but she's unhappy. And then a bird, you kind of see it coming in the background, smack right into the window. Everyone in the class screams and, you know, the bird is dead outside on the bush. Um, after you see after when they're at recess, you see the bird and she, um, Charlie is, goes up to the bird and she has a pair of shears and, um, she basically is a pigeon and she cuts the pigeon's head off while I think eating a chocolate bar. (laughs) And then she sticks, um, she sticks it and the shears back in her, um, she seems to prefer this, uh, hoodie, this one hoodie she has pullover hoodie and with the kangaroo pocket in the front and she sticks both the bird's head and the shears in the pocket. Oh, a little bit of trivia. Apparently the chocolate bar that she's been chomping on is a dove chocolate bar. Mm, Never heard of dove, but according Yeah, no dove dove chocolate is is normal. I thought it I thought it was just like a Hershey bar. Yeah. Well uh I mean look I mean I just read it and I But that's funny that it is dove. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's because a pigeon is a yeah. kind of dove. Yeah, I like dove chocolate. Please get me those little gold nuggets with the uh, when it's like peanut butter and dove chocolate. Those are great. Send me some right now. You don't know where I live. Haha. <laughs> okay. And but uh, one of the creepy things that kind of happens, she turns when um, Charlie cuts the bird's head off, sticks in her pocket. She turns around and she's kind of alarmed to see outside the school's gates, um, like the fencing. There's someone pulled over. Um, um, and you don't you don't recognize her, but she's like a very um, you know put together looking woman, um, maybe middle aged to a little older, not sure. And she's uh, kind of waving and smiling at Charlie, just very thrilled to see her, big old grin on her face. And Charlie's just kind of looking like alarmed and like what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm gonna bring up the trailer again because one thing that struck me about this movie is how it is, it ends up being an entirely different movie than the trailer promises. Um, uh, which is interesting to me because I think it's for the better that it was different than yeah. the trailer promised. Um, it's, the the move the trailer seems to imply that this is the ghost of her grandmother but in the movie it's just some lady like they edit it so that like in the edit in the trailer has uh Tony Collette talking about her mother uh when it shows this lady and also sort of goes through her little wave in like twitchy fast motion to make it seem like she's spooky in some way but she's not spooky and she's not the grandmother she's just like a regular lady i thought that was an uh, interesting uh, which lady are you talking about the the lady outside the school who waves at charlie at this point um that woman, I don't believe we specifically see again. Yeah, we don't. We don't see her again. Oh, okay. Uh, but the 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 trailer uh, seems to imply that this is the ghost of the grandmother. Oh, um, oh, I see what you're saying. The, yeah, yeah, the movie makes no such implication. Yeah, no, it's just yeah, it's just a random lady of th- associated with the grandmother's uh, group of friends. <laughs> yeah, we we discover later that this this is likely just one of the. Uh, uh, like ladies that is is in uh, grandmother's uh, weird religious club. Yeah, <laughs> religious uh, club. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the way to put it. Yeah. Uh, so then we get into the real meat of the movie. Uh, Kimu, why don't you tell us about the um, 
the party and the lead up to it and maybe some of the aftermath of it. Okay. Um, all right. So, oh, just, uh, just to say, uh, up to this point, we keep on seeing symbols and stuff either written on the walls or yeah, places, words. Yeah. In, in different places in the kids' bedrooms, especially. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a couple of like words scratched into the wall. And I think we've seen at this point the Paimon symbol, uh, which is like, uh, uh, it almost looks like a cartoon drawing of a, of a fence or something. It's like yeah, a bunch of curly, it's like, curly it's supposed to be like three circles. people. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. It's like three figures in a very oh, stylized way. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, uh, and there was one on a telephone pole. Uh, well, that's before. what we see going to the party. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So Peter wants to go to this party. Uh, his friends call, uh, text them saying, Hey, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to smoke, going to have a lot of chicks there. And so the girl is going to be there. His girls. Yeah. The, the girl girls, he has a crush yeah. on. Uh, so he wants to go, but he knows he can't just go to this party. So he tells uh, his mom that uh, this is a school thing, whatever. Whatever. School but, barbecue. Uh, school, yeah, a barbecue. <laughs> can I borrow the car? Yeah, can I borrow? There you go. Um, Charlie, meantime, gets distracted by some sort of light show. Obviously, not natural. Uh, there's some lights that kind of focuses. It like moves throughout the room and it goes straight to the window. And you see it several times throughout the movie. This particular kind of light show, right? And she goes yeah, to the it, window. It almost looks like just the reflection off of a piece of glass or right. something but it, it is moving on its own. Exactly. And uh, she goes to the window, sees something in the horizon or whatever. So Charlie leaves the house. And this is like middle winter, apparently. And it's it's probably up north, I mean, where they're situated. So it's really, really cold out. But yeah, I think they're, they're in upstate New York because... Um Annie has a, a, a project that she's working on for a museum in New York City. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, Charlie goes out with no shoes on and, bare, you know, just normal clothes. Carrying the pigeon head because she was working on something with that. Yeah. She was, she was uh, in the middle of her project. And uh, she walks out in the fields and she sees fire and her um, her grandma, you know, normal, not all weirded out or anything, uh, doing something. I'm yeah, she's sure kneeling she... in front of the line of fire. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if the grandma turned around and looked at Charlie or anything like that. But uh, Charlie sees her. And before we go any further, the mom catches Charlie and chastises her for going outside in the cold and stuff like that no and, shoes yeah so so she pulled her back in the house all upset naturally and uh peter was there and he's she's like okay uh you're gonna go out and have fun with kids uh you're gonna go with peter to this barbecue thing for school and peter can't say no of course because that's <laughs> so it's like fine you know charlie didn't want to go but she's forced it so uh so now they're going to the party uh saw that telephone pole that we mentioned uh and there's a long lonely dark road that they're on right yeah yeah so they go to this this party it's what you would expect a typical high school party stereotype of a typical high school party (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, I, I I was a little weirded out by this because I was I was under the impression that Charlie was like ten, but Charlie is thirteen, yes. and the actress playing her is fifteen. Yeah. Um. So I guess it's like she's in like eighth grade, so it's not entirely unusual that she'd be at a high school party. Right. Although she is the youngest one there, that I can- and she does stick out a little bit. Nobody seems to care too much. Like yeah, like- nobody's nobody's bothering her at all. Which I was glad. Like they weren't like what. 
uh, you know, on her, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Peter sees uh, the girl of his dreams, and uh, <laughs> she was kind of alone and just kind of bored, I think. And he's like, "Hey!" And the, the best opener liner, I think. He's like, "Hey, I, I, I have weed." So uh, <laughs> she's happens to be into it as well. So she's like, "You want to smoke weed?" And of course, he's. I mean, do you want to go to another room to smoke the weed? And uh, he, I'm sure, was thinking, oh, we're going to be alone and whatnot. But uh, anyway, he tells Charlie, who is standing there, to, uh, oh. Who wants go, to go. <laughs> yeah, go, go. Yeah, she doesn't want to stay there anymore. She's bored. Like, and she uh, wants oh, to come with him into the room if just anything's going to happen. And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, go, go uh, eat that cake over there. There's a chocolate cake. Uh, and she's like, uh, I don't want to. Uh, they don't want me to have it. He's like, no, just go and get it. You know, it's fine. They don't so give it out to everyone. Get, get it before yeah. Done. And the opening and scene, we see the per, the people working on the cake. It looks like a homemade cake. They're chopping up nuts. Yeah, dun, dun, I don't dun. think that they're. I don't think that they're putting nuts in the cake, but they're like chopping up walnuts, and then they use that same walnut uh, knife to cut the cake. Oh, oh, there, the, yeah, I think is yeah. the problem. Okay, yeah. Uh, Why were they chopping up walnuts then? Something I else, don't know maybe. for something Another else. Dessert. Okay. I mean, it's the type of it's the type of party where someone has made cake, which is already like, whoa, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I get invited to this party? Yeah, this seems like a cool party. <laughs> I um, get the cake and then I go outside, away from all the people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> enough yeah, about onward, me. Onward and upward. <laughs> Uh, so Peter is is in this room. Uh, the girl has her friends there as well. So now he has to share his uh, his his beautiful weed to everybody instead of just the girl. I don't think he's that disappointed. Honestly, no, I I, I think he's just, he's happy to even be in the same. Like she's talking to him, you know. So they're doing their thing, and then uh, Charlie comes in saying she's not feeling too well. Well, we see a montage of her doing various other things outside, like washing her hands. And uh, working on one of her things and being like, why am I still here? <laughs> right. And, and and also her eating the, more importantly, yeah. her eating a piece of cake. Yeah. yeah. And then we see her sort of struggling to breathe after after she's eaten the cake. Yeah, she's so. getting uncomfortable. Right. So she tells Peter, uh, I don't feel so good. He's obviously fighting that at first. But then he sees that she is actually having a hard time uh, breathing and stuff. And her face is red. Right. So uh, next scene, you see him rushing outside, carrying her into the car and drive, like driving off very fast, trying to get her to the hospital. Uh, she's in the back seat. She's struggling more and more as time goes on, uh, thrashing about. And uh, he's almost to the hospital. Or, yeah, or figging. He's just assuring her, you know, hang on, hang on. We're going to be there soon. Right. You know, trying and, to, uh, he's obviously, you know, he's done, he cares about Charlie, even though, yeah. you know, he's not like an uncaring older brother. He's just kind of a regular teenager who wants to do things and, you know. Yeah. And he's panicking right now, of course. And uh, she can't breathe, so she opens the window and tries to get more air in by sticking her head out and half her body out. And uh, he's driving. It's, you know, it's dark out. There's not that much light. His headlights uh, catches some sort of dead animal in the middle. I don't think it was dead. I think it was a dog just laying down casually, like a big, a big oh, dog. I, th- I thought it was, uh, I thought it was like roadkill deer. Oh, I thought I saw its head sticking up. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So something, something. Uh, big. 
snake in the road. The, the animal thing in the middle of the road. So he, res, you know, responded by, you know, uh, trying to swerve to avoid it. And, uh, unfortunately, Charlie, uh, sees, you know, the, the yeah, we, we, it cuts to her POV, uh, and it goes quickly onto a telephone pole and we hear a wet smack. Ugh. And then we then we don't see uh, Charlie for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, the car stopped. You just see a, a very good, well done. I think just the camera on on Peter's face as he's realizing what just happened, and you just see his eyes kind of like you know just for a long he, period of time on on just his face. And he glances up at the rearview mirror, yeah, quickly, and then immediately looks away, and. Yeah. Boy, Alex Wolf in this movie does a lot of wordless, uh, yeah. like face acting, and this is some of the best of it here. Like you can just see, like the it, that feeling of like, oh crap, and like just not even knowing what to do, and like there's no like, it's just pan, it's frozen panic, it's you know unco- uncomprehending what's just happened, like a traumatic a traumatic yeah. uh, reaction and he, he glances up very quickly and back down straight ahead he's breathing, he's sweating, he's like, and he can, I think he kind of hoarsely whispers, Charlie you okay? Like something like that but you know, he's not expecting a response and you don't see pr- anything really, but you do see because um, he's stopped in the road the, and his brake lights are on you do see some of the reflection of the red lights from his brake lights and like the mirrors and stuff which i guess is kind of indicating you know <laughs> yeah no good it's yeah we then uh it, this is i think the first uh piece of the movie where uh it builds tension because we know something bad has happened but we don't know what yet um because we know by the character's reaction um so then it is an excruciatingly long time as we follow peter driving home very parking slowly the ca- parking the car with the uh charlie had her head out the passenger side and we only see the driver's side of the car and he stops and he gets out and he goes inside He just kind of goes on autopilot. Yeah. uh, And then he goes to sleep. He doesn't, he just, in his clothes, he just, oh, yeah. We don't even know. We don't, we don't know for sure that he slept because we next see him in the morning staring ahead and we hear uh, Annie getting ready for the day saying that she's going to go somewhere. um, And then we hear her reaction. And he just Um, kind of flinches a little, but he's still like staring straight ahead. Yeah. Uh, and she is just wailing, um, in mm-hmm. like inhuman wailing. And then the movie cuts. Absolute grief. Like what you do when you're just absolute grief. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie cuts to the desert and the telephone Ooh. pole. And we see the, uh, decapitated head of Charlie mangled from the impact and covered in ants. In the middle of the road. Um, yeah. And so very we gross. don't, we don't see the decapitation. We don't see the headless body, but we know what has happened now fully, uh, despite not having seen what Peter or Annie saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we kind of assumed she did. I, yeah. I, 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 I figured she was dead, but I did not figure that she was, uh, fully decapitated. 
Um, so it's a little surprising. Uh, and then it goes to Anne at, at the funeral, um, wailing and the tiny coffin being lowered into the ground. Um, this scene was actually in one of the trailers and I didn't catch that the coffin was little, littler than yeah. normal. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they digitally edited out the coffin or something from the trailer shot. I don't recall. Uh, and then it cuts to her back in the house, just having a breakdown on the floor. Uh, Steve is comforting her, but she is just wailing that she wants to be dead. Um, and Peter is out in the hallway, uh, listening to this, uh, feeling on some level that this is his fault. And he's just, he's still in shock. He's basically still in shock. Yeah, he he never leaves Jock pretty much for the rest of the movie. Yeah, the rest of the movie he's sort of just wandering through his life on autopilot. Um, I don't know why they sent him to school. This is one of my like w- w- what like he goes back to school. We don't. Yeah, we don't know how much time has passed when he's back in school. Not enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, he starts hallucinating Charlie's presence around the house. Uh, oh, we didn't mention this, but Charlie would make a sort of uh, click sound with her tongue like a it's, it's, yeah, it's a sound I used to make as a kid, which I mentioned to Kimu, and then Kimu's going to stop doing it because it's freaking him out. <laughs> uh, but uh, Peter starts hearing this sound around the house yeah. and seeing, I think, seeing that same light that Charlie saw. Mm-hmm. Um, Annie goes to, tries to rejoin the support group, but she doesn't go. Uh, and she's approached by someone else from the support group who remembered her from, uh, I think this is four months after she was last at the support group right right uh and just a few weeks after charlie's death and this member uh joan played by Anne dowd approaches her and uh they hang out at joan's apartment um it takes a little bit of a of a convincing you know she kind of comes off as like a little over uh you know overly friendly to when she's in the parking lot obviously leaving yeah But then she drops that her um, son and her seven-year-old grandson had drowned uh, just a few years ago. So she sort of knows where uh, Annie is coming from. Um, And then uh, Annie relates that she used to have very bad... She says sleepwalking, but I think we can classify this as night terrors. Yeah. uh, Because there was a time when she woke up in Peter's bedroom discovering that she had doused herself, Peter, and Charlie in paint thinner and struck a match. And it was Uh, the striking of the match that woke her up. Yeah. And she put it out, so they did not catch on fire. So she's going... to uh, the art store to pick up supplies because she's still trying to work on this uh, installment for the museum. Uh, And she runs into Joan again, and Joan is in a state of euphoria and says that she's communicated with her deceased grandson through a seance and eventually convinces Annie to participate and shows him that, uh, uh, shows, sorry, shows Annie that the uh, seance is real and Annie's fully convinced. They do this seance by lighting a candle and moving a glass. 
And repeat, uh, there's like a phrase you have to say first, but she had already said it, she said. Yeah. Uh, and then she gives Annie this sheet of paper and says, just say this phrase, light the candle, say this phrase, and you'll be able to talk to Charlie again. And everyone in the family must participate. Yep. Everyone in the family has to be in the house, she says specifically. Um, oh, yeah, be in the house, yeah. And and uh, we, do, we do see some hints that um, Joan is not... All, like there must, there's something else maybe going on here because um, her doormat is this embroidered cushioned doormat that with her name on it, and um, Annie is like, oh, my mom used to make something like that, and Joni just kind of brushes off. She's like, oh, really? That's funny. And so, like, but we get some hints that there, there's not Joni's not a hundred percent on the up and up here. Yeah, they also hint at this again in the trailer. Um, they present Joan's scene um, in the trailer. Uh, it makes sense in the movie for her to say, oh, I remember you from you were here to talk about your mother. But in the trailer, it's, it is presented as if a stranger is coming up to Annie and saying, I recognize you from your mother. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and they cut in Annie's response as, what? Uh, and so you sort of, if you saw the trailer as much as I did, you sort of also got the sense that maybe Joan was not on the up and up because of how they cut that trailer, which I thought was very interesting. I kind of uh, got the sense she wasn't on the up and up as soon as she went to her car and was overly friendly because it's a <laughs> horror movie and you're supposed to be a little suspicious in the first place, but, it, you know, there's no overt signs until, like, you know, a little later. Uh, so, Kimu, why don't you tell us about uh, her going through the seance with her family? Oh, okay. So, uh, well, first of all, I, I do believe uh, something. She had a night. She has nightmares, and uh, and one of them would be her going to Peter and telling him that uh, she never wanted him and that she tried to uh, have a miscarriage uh, while he was in her. And uh, and it's like the things are just coming out of her mouth and she can't stop it. Right. She tries yeah. to cover her own mouth with her hands. Like she can't believe she said it, uh, but uh, she did. And he's upset, obviously. But then she wakes up. And she sets them on fire, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fire just comes up. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's really cool that it's cutting back and forth between them. And then, like, one cut, they're dry. And then the next cut, they're all wet. And then the, ne the next cut, the mm -hmm. other person is also all wet. And then the next cut, they're, like, burning up. And then she wakes up. Yeah. It's a really cool <laughs> sort of build. Yeah. And, and she had woken up originally, or thought she had woken up, to ants on her bed, follow the ants. And she saw Peter in bed covered in ants. She's crying. And then she feels like she feels like as if she has woken up and is standing. And Peter's fine. He's like, what are you doing here? And then they go do that trip, that uh, conversation and the fire and all that. And then she really wakes up. So. Okay. So uh, that's, that's been going on. Uh, so after, but uh, now she wants to do uh, the seance because she saw the seance with uh, with uh, Joan, and uh, and so she's waking up in the most awkward and cringeworthy way. She's like running into the bedrooms, mm -hmm. uh, waking Peter up, waking uh, uh, her husband up, and uh, saying, "We need Steve. to go downstairs. I need to show you uh, something." Blah blah blah. Because so she she's already done it once on her own while everyone was asleep. So, yes, yeah. he says, I did this already. I know it works. Uh, I need to show it to you. We need to do this all together. And uh, so they all go down. Steve is is skeptical. He's been skeptical. He's really freaking out actually inside. But uh, And yeah, he's, he's also feeling protective of Peter. 
Right. He thinks his, he probably just. Peter's you know, like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Peter's like, please, can I go? <laughs> right. So, so Peter's all still in shock. And then, uh, so, uh, Annie's trying to get everybody to hold hands. She has this incantation going. She has this, uh, candle going. Uh, Peter. And, uh, Charlie's, Charlie's, uh, notebook, her drawings. The, with all her little uh, drawings, is there? So, so the, the you know the uh, thing that represents the deceased, that thing. Uh, uh, Peter says he's he's up for it. Uh, he's obviously sympathetic to his mom. He wants to know also. Uh, and S- Steve's like, uh, no, no. But then he got you know he said, okay, I'll hold your hand for this. So they did. So she's doing the invocation and stuff, and things starts to move, right? Mm-hmm, uh, the glass moves and stuff. Glass moves. So it's freaking everybody out. Uh, I don't know if she went straight into. To the possession part. So the, the candle flames up real big and then goes out, and then it seems like uh, Annie is possessed. Yeah, it relights itself, and then Annie's like... Yeah, she's talking, talk, so yeah. she started talking in Charlie's voice, uh, act and acting like Charlie just got there, and she has absolutely no idea what's going on. It's like, why are you looking at me like this? What's going on? Why, you know, why is everyone freaking and out? literally Charlie's voice, like the actor's voice is coming out of her mouth. Oh, really? I didn't uh, yeah, yeah, catch... Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's freaking out, and uh, and then uh, so something something broke it off. Uh, oh, th- I think Steve threw water. Steve, on her? Steve throws water on yeah. her, and then she says, "What happened?" Yeah, because Peter was like freaking out. Everyone's basically freaking out. Like, Stop! and when earlier when Joni did the seance, um, the same thing. Her uh, the grandson's voice, I think, was coming out of her mouth at some point. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, and they both looked under the table. It, when uh, Annie was over at Joan's house, she looks under the table when the glass moves, and you know, she, and then there's a repeat when uh, the family's doing it. Steve looks under the table when the glass moves, and that was yeah. a little funny. It's very, it's yeah, it's it's a clever little like because the first thing you're gonna do if it seems like stuff on the table is being manipulated is you're gonna check for magnets or machinery yeah. underneath. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and and then it turns out there's nothing. Uh, it's actual supernatural. Yeah, as far so. as we know. <laughs> so at at that. Point, it seems okay so Annie after everyone's like enough stop whatever uh, I think the next scene would be Annie thinking maybe it's, this isn't right this is a problem oh, it, it's it's we see the notebook drawing pictures of Peter with oh, his oh, eyes yeah. crossed out and yeah, then Annie finds later. this yeah yeah Annie Annie finds this and shows it to Steve and is like I think this spirit is bad uh and she, well, first she burns, she tries to burn the notebook. Yeah, on her own. And, but she can't because she starts the light on fire. Yeah. Um, and so she takes it out of the fire and puts the fire out and then she's not on fire anymore. Um, she tries to go confront Joan, but Joan seems to be nowhere to be found. Um, and then she goes through her mother's things. And we and also finds- see inside Joni's apartment when she goes there. Oh, right. Oh God! Yeah, we see inside Joan's apartment. Uh, there's a bunch of Charlie's little weird toys on a table mm-hmm. and a triangle, uh, and a picture of Peter in the middle of the triangle. And does this picture of Peter have the eyes stabbed out of it? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure all of them did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and yeah. then we also see on her wall that symbol of Pyman mm-hmm. that was also on Annie and Ellen's necklaces and on the uh, 
infamous telephone pole. Uh, I think it might have also been on the doormat outside of Joan's apartment. Uh, but, I think so, um, yeah. And then also and- the um, on her kitchen table was a scene set up, uh, like another, uh, a different kind of miniature set up with using Charlie's um, figures and also uh, three decapitated animal heads in front of the, like, the leader figure on yeah. the scene. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think it's important to note um, that Annie has sort of been doing a bad job with these miniatures. Like, she's sort of going down a bad road. Yeah, One of the, the miniatures- they're so well done. But <laughs> yeah, but she was creating a miniature of uh, of the accident scene, and she was creating a miniature of uh, her mother's wake, and she's sort of going. We're, we don't see much of it, and I think that it's a nice touch, but it's sort of going off the deep end. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, we didn't mention earlier, but uh, when uh, towards the beginning of the movie, Charlie and Annie have a conversation where uh, Charlie expresses some. That she misses her grandmother, but also her grandmother um, always used to tell Charlie that she wishes that she had been a boy. Like that Charlie were a boy. Yeah, Yeah. that Charlie had been a boy. And um, Charlie expresses... Uh, that she really, like, she's gonna miss her grandmother and is worried about who will take care of her. And then we get this cool line that's also in the trailer. Uh, Annie says, you don't think I'm gonna take care of you? And Charlie responds, but when you die. And (laughs) it's like a very spooky kid scene. It's not as spooky in the movie as it is in the trailer, but it's pretty good. It seems more Um, like just reassuring a kid when someone dies, you know? Yeah. Um... So there's also been a couple hints here that there's a bad smell in the house and we don't know what that's about (laughs) until now. Um, Well, actually, no, we don't have the bad smell yet, right? Um, When um, the bad, there is a bad smell uh, when um, it's first mentioned when uh, they come home, uh, uh, Steve, Steve, the dad and Peter, the son come home from wherever the heck they were. Oh, Steve gone to pick up. Peter from school because Peter keeps right. basically like once he freaks out at school and then one time he starts slamming his head into he does some weird pose thing where it looks like he's had maybe a stroke on, and like one half of his head is his face is droopy and what his hand is in the air and and then he starts slamming his head in the desk and breaks his own nose and um but the first time they come home from being picked up and we see that uh Annie is not answering the phone she's like basically not really taking care of Peter and yeah. and and the dad's getting stressed out everyone's basically getting more and more stressed out but the first time so the 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 geography of the house confused me here actually mm-hmm. so yeah the bad smell is happening also Annie goes into Ellen's things there's like a yeah. room that all of Ellen's things are in uh, and when she was in this room towards the beginning of the movie we had uh, the first scare um, oh, yeah. in the beginning of the movie like she turns the lights I out liked and that sees, one. yeah she sees in the dark uh, she thinks she sees her mother uh, and then she turns the lights on and nothing's there um, but now she goes in this room after seeing the symbol on Joan's doormat and looks through Ellen's photo albums mm-hmm. and sees Joan is in some of the pictures a lot of the pictures <laughs> Yes. And more pictures uh, of her a couple, religious A couple stuff. other people, yeah. Uh, her secret friends that were mentioned in the eulogy. 
Um, yeah, it's, uh, another, another book. She finds like a book about, uh, mentioning this, uh, Paimon King of Hell that has like some highlighted sections in it, um, in, in Ellen's things also. Uh, and then, uh, Annie searches the attic and finds, Oh, but there's uh, one more thing in that book at the end, a note from her mother. Oh, right. And it's, what it's, does the note say? The note says basically, um, to, it's, it's addressed to Annie and she's saying, I'm sorry, there's going to be, you know, a lot of sacrifices coming up, something like that. Oh, but the reward will be worth it. Yes. Yeah. It will all be worth it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, she searches the attic finds a headless rotting corpse. Um, I, it was unclear to me whose body this was supposed to be, but then it's made clear that it's supposed to be Ellen's body. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's lit candles around it and the symbols came on, on the, um, attic above the headless body on the wall. Yeah. Annie tells, uh, Steve about this and he thinks that Annie is the one who dug up, uh, Ellen's grave and thinks that Annie has been doing all of this and then tries to tell him you have to burn Charlie's sketchbook. Um, he doesn't do it. Um, Annie throws the sketchbook in the fire and Steve burns up, like immediately catches fire and dies. Um, and Annie's shocked. She's, she's had been expecting herself to die. Yeah. Uh, and after this burn up, we get another, we get a shot of Annie's face, very similar to how it was during the seance where mm-hmm. she sort of goes like, whoop, and like has a blank look. Uh, and, uh, I don't know if you guys picked it up, but I picked it up from this that Annie is possessed now. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely for sure. Yes. And we, we're kind okay. of, uh, you know, steaming over a lot of build up of various scenes and it you know they're all in order getting a little more creepy a little more stressed out a little more what like there's even a miniature made she made a miniature of um her son peter in the bed with his missing his head (laughs) oh yeah uh and we uh missed the part where she like sneaks into peter's room and like pulls on his head uh yeah there's we're we're steamrolling through a lot because we've been talking about the movie for an hour and i just want to get to the end uh of it so lots of creepy stuff lots of creepy 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 Uh, so Peter wakes up after, uh, he came home after having, um, conked himself out. Uh, I guess they maybe gave him some kind of sedative at the nurse's office or something, but he wakes up after his father has burned to death and his mother has become possessed, goes downstairs, sees the, uh, burned up corpse of his father. Uh, we get, uh, oh, actually, first he wakes up in the dark and we see, um, sort of a floating apparition come in through the window and then, uh, float out of the door and he doesn't notice this, but we notice and it seems to be Annie's coat that she had on her like yeah, her, uh, her her white sort of uh, cardigan I guess it's like a um, yeah it's like a big uh, sweater coat thing yeah and white pants and she has galoshes on uh, and then uh, he comes down into the living room and she is uh, posed up in the corner of the room um, 
<laughs> and then he he turns. This is the part where he turns around. Oh, actually, we get a, a time passage on the outside of the house. It's day, and then it cuts to night, and you can see a bunch of nude figures uh, in the woods surrounding the house. Um, and then uh, fast forward through all of the things that we already recapped. Uh, Peter is looking at his father's dead body. He turns around and sees some naked person. Yeah, in the closet, um, grinning with the grinniest grin you've ever grinned. Yeah, we recognize him from one of the photos as some grinning creepazoid from this religious group. Or I recognized him from yeah. one of the photos. I don't know if you guys caught that. Uh, I, I assumed he was probably in the book. I didn't specifically <laughs> I, I think I've seen him at the wake, actually. Yeah, oh, that I think I looks, remember, yeah. Yeah, the Charlie looks at the body, uh, at her grandma's body, and then looks up and some guy just look, is staring at her and like smiling at uh, her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was that guy. Yeah. yeah Good catch. I, yeah, I didn't catch that at all. I caught him in the photos. Um, uh, and then, uh, Peter, we hear the thump of Annie jumping down from the uh, ceiling, and Peter runs up the stairs. Annie gives chase. He climbs up into the attic, and um, we hear pounding on the door while Annie is trying to get him to come out. And it cuts to, God, just a terrifying thing of Annie is <laughs> upside down, clung to the attic door, slamming her head into it. Yeah, on the ceiling. Like. <sighs> yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then it, uh, Peter's in the attic looking around. Uh, I think he sees candles and stuff. Uh, he looks out the window and sees that there's some sort of light in a treehouse. I think this is Charlie's treehouse that it was yeah. sort of has been, uh, like it hasn't been a big focus, but like Charlie slept there after Ellen's funeral. Annie mm -hmm. slept there after Charlie's funeral. So and there's a been, heater like, that makes it like if you turn the heater on, there's an orange glow from the window. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, so we hear sort of a, a wet sound again, like a Ugh. sort of ryth rhythmic sound. And Peter looks up and has this horrified look on his face. And then we get uh, what I would say is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, <laughs> it's, if not the most horrifying, it's up there. Um, we see Annie is up, suspended, with her head touching the roof, using a wire to slice her own head off. Yeah, and she has this expression on her face of just, like, I don't even know how to describe that expression. It's, like, horror and... It's, ugh. yeah, it's it's this sort of empty expression, and her skin is turning purple. Um, and it's just just so horrible to look at. Um, and then Peter notices that there's a bunch more of these cultists in the room mm -hmm. and in his panic jumps out of the window and crashes onto the ground. Uh, and then we hear a wet thump after the rhythmic uh, cutting Sign, sound yeah. has stopped. Um, and then we see Annie's headless corpse flo floating through the backyard and flying <laughs> up into the treehouse. And at this point, the movie has just so gone off the deep end that I'm, I was sitting there in the theater for maybe the last half an hour of the movie with my hands on the side of my face, like Kevin McAllister in the Home <laughs> Alone, just like whispering to myself, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. Uh, yeah. Um, 
And we see a little and, light go after the, yeah, the, the wet the thumb. light is back. The little glowy light is back, and it centers on Peter. Yeah, who's, who's face it, down on the ground after having jumped out the window. It goes into Peter. He gets up, or his body gets up. He's confused, and he sees Annie's headless corpse float up into the treehouse and follows it. And there's like a, this warm golden glow coming from the treehouse. And it's he just follows it. And there's people in the woods lined up, uh, more naked people from the uh, religious club, uh, <laughs> like grinning, happy, waving at Peter. And he's just, just like, what is going on? Doesn't say anything. We see, yeah, we see a, a golden statue mm-hmm. with Charlie's uh, rotting head atop it, and it's in Cleaned the same up a bit. pose. Yeah, it's in the same pose and facial expression that uh, Peter made in the classroom, mm-hmm. with the one hand up in a certain configuration, and the face is sort of gnarled in the same way mm-hmm. that Peter made his face be. Um, and we learn from... We don't see Joan at this point, but she is speaking to Peter from off-screen. Uh, we see Ellen and Annie's decapitated bodies are bowing in front of this statue, mm-hmm. and Joan Joan explains to um And the, the other cult members are also uh, kneeling in front of their, with their heads. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Joan explains to uh, well Charlie now actually this is Peter it's Peter's body but he's been possessed by Charlie Um, and Joan explains to to Charlie that um, they've given that that she's the the pieman one of the eight uh, princes of hell and they've found for her uh, a suitable male body yeah because pieman is a little bit um, um, it's it's a male, you know, figure, and prefer- it's a male demon who covets human male. Bodies. Yeah, prefers a male body. Yeah, uh, and they take uh, Joan takes the crown from the uh, Pyman statue and places it on uh, Peter's head. And then the movie ends. Yeah, we, the last shot is basically still a confused-looking Peter slash Charlie slash Paymon looking upon all these people um, who are kneeling in front of him. There's, you know, gauzy curtains and a golden glow everywhere, and it's like, and they're all so happy, everyone. <laughs> everyone of the religious club is so happy and chanting his, uh, Charlie's name. And we also see a framed picture of... Um, Ellen um, on the wall and it says on the f- picture uh, Queen Lee. Right, yeah. L-E-I-G-H. Ellen, Ellen, Ellen Lee yeah. was uh, her name. Yeah. And, uh, oh, boy. Oh. And that's that's the whole movie and that ending I think goes down in history for me alongside like the ending of The Witch uh, which is very crazy, and the ending of Rosemary's Baby with all the cultists just going, Hail Satan! <laughs> Hail Satan! As the movie ends. Um, and at this point, I literally sat, like, slack-jawed in the theater watching all of the credits. Yeah, uh, everyone was pretty much slack-jawed in our theater as well, like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like th- there was a few things, I, I, like I said, I always enjoy hearing how other people react in the theater, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, oh, when there's, like, um, something kind of scary or creepy going on, like when um, Annie was in the corner of the rooms, uh, in the like, you know, up in the rafters corner, but, and a few times people would make clicking noises in the audience to, you know, just try and, and at one point I thought it was an audience member making a clicking noise, but it was actually in the movie. 
Yeah, uh, there was a small child in our theater, like too small to be upset by the movie, um, but still well, like we'll the, see. the kid. Time will tell. The kid, the kid was like three or four and was making a little too much noise, and I didn't like that. But uh, they didn't seem to be upset by anything happening in the movie. Uh, one interesting thing: um, both of you seem to enjoy the movie. That is not apparently the case. It has uh, it has a ninety two percent from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and has received pretty much universal critical acclaim. On Cinema Score from audiences, it has a D plus. And the audience the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is fifty eight percent. That's huh. nuts. Is it um, is it some sort so of weird like you know how uh, before Ocean's Eight came out, I was looking at um, the audience score for Ocean's Eight like before it came out, before anyone saw it. And oh, it's still bad. Um, and it's just yeah. a bunch of people that haven't seen it and just were mad that it was all ladies. Mad that it's women. Yes. Uh, no, I think that the uh, backlash on Hereditary is not that it has a woman in the lead, but more that it's just too artsy. Okay. Um, which is weird because it also has some of that um, schlocky horror goodness of Tony Collette cutting her own head off. Uh, I saw. Ooh, excuse me. I saw Ocean's Eight and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I want to um, see it. I, I've heard. I'm very happy that it's getting good reviews from people who actually are reviewing it instead of just say, saying it's bad because it's women. Uh, it has a very capable cast. Um, uh, the, it's well written. Everyone does a good job acting. I don't know. There's the one Sarah Paulson. Uh, okay, I don't know who Sarah Paulson is, but she's in the movie. And for some reason, I thought that she was Kristen Wiig in the trailers but she's not. She looks kind of like Kristen Wiig, though, I think, maybe. Um, anyway, that's not here nor there. Um, I, okay, Kimu, do- okay. I, I just want to... I'm sorry. I, I'm looking at the audience reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, the particularly the negative ones, and there's sure. little to no detail in most of them. Don't waste your time. Should be better. Worst way to spend two hours. And then, like, one of them says there was nothing scary about in the entire movie. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. Usually audiences like horror movies and critics don't, but this is a rare case of the opposite happening. Um, Kimu, did you enjoy this movie? Because we're both giving it effusive praise, and I think you said you liked it. Yes. Uh, I, I really do like it, and there's certain things that took me out of it, but, uh, you know, it's uh, considering how, unfortunately, a lot of horror movies are, are sometimes, like, if you take them as a whole, there's a lot of, there's a lot more chances of it not being good, so, but this one was very good, so I'm, I'm quite yeah. pleased with it. And it's absolutely outside of the, um, normal purview of things that we cover on uh, this show, but I liked it a lot. I I think it's a really, really good movie. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to say that we didn't say either during the... um, during the spoiler-free part or throughout the recap version. Um, I do have a uh, few things I want to please. mention, uh, just some thoughts. Um, I found it interesting that um, Annie, oh, excuse me, Joni says to uh, uh, the Charlie slash Paymon possessed Peter body that they have corrected his uh, female, the female form he was born with. Like, it was a mistake. And I thought that was interesting 
like, insofar as, like, you know, was were they trying, was this, I mean, the whole movie was a, you know, kind of an allegory for the inheritance of mental illness, uh, how much is faded to us and how much, you know, can we avoid, like, you know, Annie tries so hard to avoid the supposed mental illness throughout her family, like, say, with her brother's schizophrenia, her mother's, um, you know, issues as she got older, the father committing suicide, like, and she's pretty much thinks she's made this family, you know, separate from this um, family history of uh, mental illness and issues, and you know, that's clearly in the movie. It's said, you know, it's something else. It's it's a inher- hereditary inheritance of this magic thing. But you know, it's it's also a, a metaphor for. And yeah. like at the base of the very base of the stairs in the house is a miniature of a house that looks all nice and normal on level ground, and then below it in in the ground is like a stack of of, you know, earth and bedrock and stuff, and you see other houses below it all um, t- distorted and twisted and messed up, and it's like, so it's this normal house on built on a base of, um, of historic, you know, twistedness. And um, so, like, you know, the movie is a kind of, you know, metaphor, which, you know, they all are, but um, I was wondering what else it was trying to talk about. Like, was it trying to say that Charlie was trans, or, you know, is that just incidental? You know, I couldn't help but think about that with the, the language that they used in the movie. And um, I was worried about Charlie the whole time that she was alive uh, because she was just having... <laughs> I was just worried about Charlie. And the whole movie was very exhausting. There's a lot of worrying going on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really... Um, I'm not sure what it has to say either. It's especially interesting to me because why was Charlie chosen to be the host for Pyman when Peter is the older child and was a boy like they wanted? I don't. Actually, uh, I oh, think. Oh yeah, yeah. We, there is a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, re- uh, in the group session, or no, or w- when she's talking to Joan before, uh, Annie mentioned oh, how right. he kept Peter as a child and throughout away from her mom, and right. instead left. And when Charlie came in, in order, like, kind of like to make peace with her mom, she let her mom have her ha- get her hands on Charlie. So the mom right. did what the grandma did, whatever to Charlie. Yeah, Ellen yeah. wasn't around when Peter was born. I forgot about that. Yeah. And basically, and there's even a miniature scene, a creepy one we see of um, <laughs> uh, Annie's given birth to Charlie, and we see Ellen next to the bed offering her own breast for the baby. Oh, yeah. It's one of the miniatures she's yeah. making. Um, yeah. It's very, yeah, very unsettling because um, she mentions uh, how Ellen would insist on feeding Charlie when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's. Um, uh, it's it's hard to dissect because it's also a movie that's very easy to just take at face value and it's right. still disturbing and right. good. Um, but I guess like there is some stuff there. I saw one interpretation that it's a movie about um, male privilege. Oh, um, I didn't see that one. That Peter <laughs> is Peter is just sort of this average wastoid loser, but this cult just because he's a man is like well, he's the one we have to go with, even though Charlie is sort of this um, creative, uh, brilliant child. Or also but- that they you could also say. They, um, they ex- you know, they were shouting. Even Joni, at some point, they had to break down um, 
Peter so he could be possessed, and same with Annie. Um, that was part of the getting, being, making it so Paimon could inhabit, um, Peter's body. And, um, they basically were, they, she was shouting, expel, I expel you, Peter, I expel you. Um, like they expelled Peter's. Right. Yeah. When spirit. he was at school yeah. before, before he smashed his face, uh, Joni was basically, uh, putting him in the sunken place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> trying to yell at, yell at him to, to take Leave him out. Body. body and they like replaced it with Charlie like basically Charlie got Peter's body like this person who was you know assigned female at birth I'm not gonna you know I don't know what if she was trans or what but like assigned female at birth and then the male body like then she got to be in this male body and what does that say I don't know complicated lots you could go on for more a lot more time on that yeah uh, I don't feel capable to <laughs> yeah Qualified, uh, capable, anything. To give any insight to that, um, it's also uh, especially because we don't get much insight into Charlie as a character. We don't come to know her. Um, she just seems confused or, a lot. And she has yeah, desires yeah. and she has she has dreams but she does not talk she's not very verbal and she just seems uncomfortable a lot of the time yeah. and um i i did like the picture one of the last pictures she drew was the pigeon head with a crown on it which i like yeah yeah uh yeah it's just all around a really dense uh it's it's a it's a, a full meal mm-hmm. of a movie um Kimu, do you have any final thoughts before we move on to plugs Sure. Um, I like doing my trivia thing, which again is just me reading stuff online. Uh, but, <laughs> Please. Uh- uh, Peter, the uh, wolf, actually the the actor, Alex apparently wolf, yeah. wanted to break his nose for real for that one scene where he smashed <laughs> his face into the thing. Dedication. Yeah, exactly. I want to be him. You know, the director says, "Hey, no, do that." Uh, we'll get you a, a, uh, a desk with a nice cushion on it, you know, like a fake desk kind of thing. So, but the funny thing is, is during the shooting, apparently they forgot that <laughs> to do that or something because, uh, it was a real desk. And when he smacked, and he didn't know it. And so when he smashed his head into it, he actually did hurt his nose. He didn't break it, but he did hurt it enough where he actually started bleed, like real blood came out and everything like that. So that was. Or maybe he was the one who. <laughs> snuck the cushion off. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I heard yeah. that. I heard that he was very um, uh, uh, method. Uh, <laughs> he, stayed in, okay. he stayed in character for pretty much the whole uh, shoot, um, which is interesting because this character is sort of very disturbed and reserved and quiet. I imagine that's uh, sort of uh, emotionally stressful. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Tony Collette is uh, is 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 much more experienced and was able to just like get in and out of it instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see that they had like different approaches. Well, he's also a lot younger, so maybe he needed to do that. I don't know. True. Yeah. He's I only 20. Yeah, so. uh, he's very talented for such a Oh gosh. Person. He was very good in the movie. I mean, everyone was. Everyone was. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kimu, do you have any other trivia for us? Yes. Uh, oh, well, uh, not as, Fun, but apparently the uh oh wait my notes all right uh, I can read them uh, I have them up here no no I got it I got it uh the uh oh when they're they're starting to do the invocation and everything like that it's a it's a mix of Hebrew and Enochian 
And for those of us who don't know what Enochian is, this is apparently back in the 16th or 15th century, uh, somebody came up with this language that's a, a mix of angelic kind of language and something else, and they called it Enochian uh, language. Uh, so that's and the, when you look when you see the book with Paimon in it, it looks uh, it's written in it looks like maybe Hebrew or Aramaic or something. It's it's you know obviously some something from the Arab region and you know not English. And yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the Wikipedia page for Enochian language and then Enochian magic. Um, it's, uh, yeah, John D., who's a famous sort of occultist from the 1500s. Uh, and the image they have of a, of a holy table from Enochian magic looks a lot like some of the stuff that was going on in like Joan's apartment, for example, mm -hmm. um, like triangles and stuff like that. All sorts of Aleister Crowley yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very, very interesting that they used actual, um, I mean, actual is a strong uh yeah this yeah made up in the real world and not for the movie yeah <laughs> uh yeah, like stuff actual, from, actual yeah. magic stuff from like how people actually do it in the real world um obviously you can't summon spirits to possess people uh <laughs> in real life as far as anyone knows but um i think that adds an extra level of spookiness that they that they went into sort of real world occultism for mm -hmm. it right and uh oh uh, one thing that that took me out of it a little bit, and I think it, everyone agrees in the actual theater, is yeah, everyone laughed. Uh, yeah, the headless corpse floating about that that seemed a little too not real to the point. Oh, I I was too into it. To uh, me, okay, uh, <laughs> I I was like, oh yeah, that's spooky to me. <laughs> it's funny. Everyone in the the theater we were at, like, I I laughed at it a little, and everyone in the theater kind of like <laughs> like laughed a little. Granted, there was a lot of tension built up, but it did seem a little goofy to me. And also, when she was swimming through the air out of Peter's room, also was funny, and people did chuckle at that as well. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't find that as as funny. Uh, no, yeah, I, definitely I, the floating. But yeah, I can see different people reacting differently. Yeah, it, it was. It, I thought it was. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's, but yeah, other people were kind of responding in a more haha kind of way. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, is, um, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about the movie. Uh, if you, if you, for some reason, listened to this without going to see it, I still think it's worth seeing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, everyone that has a nut allergy, try and carry an EpiPen. <laughs> I know there's been problems, but. <laughs> For goodness sakes, yeah. why did the parents, uh, EpiPen, EpiPen, EpiPen. <laughs> yeah, EpiPen yeah. in the car, uh, in your pocket. And I, yeah, he didn't, if somebody. Peter had brought the EpiPen, they could have avoided this. Oh, what do you guys think? Do you think the cult arranged for Charlie's Absolutely. death? Or do you think, or, okay, I was unsure whether the cult arranged for Charlie's death or sort of was freaking out in the aftermath of Charlie's death, trying to find a new host nope. for Peter. No, I think they, they absolutely arranged it. Yes. The symbol was on the telephone pole. And one of the things that Paymon brings besides wealth is uh, familiars. And we've seen several of the familiars in the film. The pigeon that ran into the window was either called by 
Charlie herself unknowingly or that lady that was standing outside just to say hi right. to Charlie. And the animal that was in the road was most likely, you know, a familiar called by one of the cultists to, you know, they kind of arranged for the car to crash, I believe. And I, I, there's some, you know, obviously the spirit of Paymon, you know, Charlie's not fully aware that she's Paymon, and but the spirit of Paymon is also helping because, you know, he, he can't do actual magic, so I think he's doing some arranging of things. And the ants familiars, you know, every, there's, there's multiple occasions in the movie where I believe it's all arranged. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, I, I, yeah. I agree as well. And, uh, and although I did have a problem with the, uh, with the head getting popped off from Charlie because it seems very convoluted, uh, for an orchestrated, like, accident, but, you know, magic works in weird ways. And, uh, yeah. Also, it, I think it, it was part of the unhinging of Peter, which needed to be done in order to expel Peter's spirit from his body. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And, uh, and if magic can be more like vague, not like, oh, I point at something and it floats, you can change chances, you know, fate stuff like that so yeah yeah that could explain it so yeah it's uh boy this, <laughs> this movie is just there's, there's so, so much, much yeah um, there's a lot let's let's put a bow on this uh good movie go see it um Creepiest- uh, Catherine, where can where can the people find you? Oh, oh, oh creepiest, creepiest, I'll do real quick. Creepiest moment was oh yeah, yeah. spooky, pa- spookiest part. We always do spookiest. Yeah, part. spookiest What's part. Spookiest part. Um, I, I think uh, Q and I agreed that it was uh, the first part where the first time you see um, Annie up in the corner of Peter's room. Actually, everyone in the audience saw it before I did because I hear them all going. Peter wakes up from his nose blow and. <laughs> Um, is sits up in bed and every, I hear everyone in the theater go, oh, and yeah, I heard that too and didn't notice until she was like floating out. Oh, of I saw, I, I, so I, I, when I heard it, I immediately was like looking around, like I had just been staring at Peter and I forgot to do what you're supposed to do in horror movies is look around at everything else. And I saw her in the corner, similar to when she was downstairs, but it was darker and you just see her non-moving creepy form up in the corner and I knew it was her because of the white stuff and the she was wearing the galoshes, but you don't see her head. And that was like, oh, that's definitely for me the creepiest moment. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, Kate is right. That is when, that's when I start that ramping up thing I said. It's, it's, I'm like, okay, how long are they going to keep her there? Because the longer she's just there not moving. <laughs> Yeah. The, uh, the more I, the, my start fears start coming up, and they they like leaving her there for quite a while. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, there. I I, th- I think the spookiest part for me is Annie's uh, decapitation. That was the mm. that it's, was the scariest to me. It's so yeah. viscerally upsetting to see. Yeah, it was. Um, it's not nearly the tensest part of the movie no. because it sort of resolves right away. Like we see Peter's face looking horrified and then we see the thing he's horrified by right away. Uh, if you want to go for sort of the tensest moment, it's the whole scene between the car accident and the oh, reveal yeah. of Charlie's head is just so tense. And, like, you're sweating bullets that whole time. Just like Peter. You are Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Catherine, where can the people find you on the internet in the ways that you would like them to? Um, you can actually find me on Facebook, Catherine Marino. He'll probably have my name in there. And on Twitter and uh, Instagram, blah, 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 Xylort. X-Y-L-O-A-R-T. Pictures of cats. My cat. Greatest cat in the world. No, they're all great. Kimu, have, have, Kimu, have you got anything for us? Uh, same thing. Just a Facebook page. Kimu Theodore. Uh, my first name is uh, spelled K-I-M-U. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's... that's. And Theodore uh, is spelled like you normally spell Theodore, unlike the way they spelled it when we went to um, Orlando and typed in the ticket at Universal, and I said, his last name is Theodore, just like you normally spell it, and she put an A in there somewhere. Theodore. <laughs> Theodore. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter, J3FK, Snapchat, and Instagram, JeffJK, Patreon.com slash JeffJK. $1 a month gets you all of the audio and written treats. More money will get you physical things. Uh, you can go to... Uh, boy, I... <laughs> I... <laughs> I started getting like very, very sick yesterday. Oh. Like, uh, mm. I woke up with a sore throat and then had a very bad time sleeping last night. And now I'm sort of floaty because in preparation for this, I went and got Theraflu and an energy drink just so I could oh, be goodness. awake and alert for this. And I'm sort of starting to get that head floaty feeling now. Oh. Uh, anyway, join, join Creepy Pots the fan group on Facebook. Uh, you can talk about all the stuff that we, cover on the show uh listen to my other show seeing reddit which you can find at weaponizedlanguage.com or any of the places where you find um any of the places where you find podcasts review them uh give us five stars if you give us less than five stars uh, don't do that i don't like it uh, that's, <laughs> don't be mean. that's it yeah be be nice to me please uh, that's that's all we have to say. Um, please see this movie. Thank you and good night. Good night. Good night.